0: Better get ready. Yeah! Yeah! Because Under the Dome with CD starts right now. Let's do it. I'm ready. Let's do it.
1: And welcome everyone to our number two of two. Usually around this time, 10 o'clock, we say it's hour one, but today in a special. One show only edition of Under the Dome with CD. It's 9 to 11 an hour early because of the fact that we have LSU basketball coming up at around 11 a.m. Taking on the Alabama Crimson Tide. You'll hear that right here on this fine station. The game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, and everywhere else worldwide on your free mobile app, 1037thegame.com. And also, Through your favorite smart speakers. Just tell your smart speaker to play 1037 the game. We're working on the new skill. Just been a little bit of a hang up, if you will, on the Amazon POV. But enough about technical stuff. We want to get down to brass tacks and talk some actual sports, honest to goodness sports. Because I was blown away by this report a few days ago about. Trubisky, Mitch Trubisky, apparently being a name that's being talked about, being banted about when it comes to the New Orleans Saints. This is coming from the NFL. Jane Slater actually put this out, that the Saints could be in play for the former MVP of the first-ever Nickelodeon NFL broadcast, Mitchell Trubisky. Now, I'm also hearing there were some rumors, and I was like, okay, this is kind of weird, that you could see him come back and join the New Orleans Saints once again, according to some rumors. Because, again, we talked about it last week, that this whole Aaron Rodgers situation is the biggest holdup in all of the NFL. That's going to be the biggest domino that drops, because I think Russell Wilson probably sticks around and stays one more year, then he kind of figures everything else else out from there, sees what the market looks like. Mind you, I think he has a golden opportunity to go play anywhere else in the league if he wanted to, because there's a lot of teams that are having buyer's remorse, if we're being quite honest, with some of their quarterbacks. The biggest one off the top of my head has to be, without a doubt, a number one is got to be the New York football Giants. They're having buyer's remorse a big time because they have gone all in to try and get Daniel Jones a better, like, help in terms of the receiving core, but it's not working. I think they would love to have somebody like a Russell Wilson. The Saints, if the money was there, they would absolutely love having him there. I just don't necessarily see how it works out for him. It's an uphill climb. I'll tell you that much. To see that thing go down. Now when it comes to the conversation about what happens with the rest of the the league. It's anybody's guess in terms of what his market looks like for a lot of other different franchises. But I think in my heart of hearts he stays. Aaron Rodgers is going to be the biggest domino effect of all this. Because if he lands somewhere in like everybody's been saying Denver is one of those places. I feel like there's a really good chance. And I mean, a really good chance that that indeed happens. Now, flip it on over. Let's go ahead and flip the script over to the New Orleans Saints. And rumors in the new window have come out over the last, let's say, 24 to 48 hours saying that apparently he could be considered to be, take over the Saints starting quarterback position because he's going to be a free agent. He's out there in the open. And he could be a great fit for the Indianapolis Colts. The Saints are one of those that people could see. Now, it also brings up an interesting question about Jameis Winston and his future. Because according to Mickey Loomis, and he put it this way, it was quote-unquote an option for the Saints. He's making some really good strides when it comes to his rehab he's looking better his his mobility is looking better his throw, like I'm just watching a video right now and his deep ball looks good and it always did look good but he's getting more of the mobility going you can see that the way he's training and practicing he actually has really good training he's been kind of getting that rehab going and he's been looking a lot better and of course it's workout stuff it's A lot like what's going on in the NFL Combine right now. It's the underwear Olympics type stuff. It doesn't really matter until you see it out on the field. But knowing somebody coming off of the ACL injury, that's a huge plus. And I'm wondering why he's just an option. And here's what Loomis said. Quote, we're approaching the position with a sense of urgency. Hopefully we can get something done with one of the guys that is available. Jameis is certainly an option for us, and hopefully we're an option for him as well. We'll go through the process here and see what happens. I sure hope he's an option because the other guys you have in the locker room right now aren't an option in terms of your long-term success. You gave Taysom Hill his, his chance, and I think he did a solid job, but it wasn't a consistent job. Like, you wound up having to I – mean, Travis Simeon, eh. You had Ian Book that nightmare of a ball game, mind you. Of course, you had like half your team out with COVID, so he was hamstrung. So I can't blame Ian Book. I can't write that in his like biography of a game. But I can say that not Sean Payton no longer being there is going to play a huge role in how. I think Taysom Hill is used in the future. I think he works extremely well as a jack-of-all-trades, Swiss Army Knife-type player. I just can't see him working out as anything else. And it's no dude, no disrespect towards the man, but I just don't buy it. That's, again, just my perspective. I don't buy it. So Jameis Winston, I think, is the guy you need to kind of go ahead and get and get him to come back for you. Because if you do, it's a guy that you know has gotten better. Because, yes, he ended his season with an ACL injury. But if you look at what he did before that, he looked better. He wasn't throwing as many picks. He had some really good plays. He was able to throw the deep ball really well, which we hadn't seen in a good while from the Saints. You can about imagine how much better he could be if you have Michael Thomas at full strength. He's full steam ahead. That's huge for this man. It's a huge deal for the Saints to have him back fully healthy. To have Will Lutz fully healthy. God, I missed that guy last year. We absolutely needed somebody to kick field goals, and we couldn't find a soul to kick a lot of field goals. And then we get to the conversation about the draft quarterbacks and of course a lot of people are saying matt corral is the one that could land in that spot i like matt corral got a chance to interview him before his freshman season is a rare thing where a freshman actually got an opportunity to be interviewed at sec media days he was there and it was really interesting to hear what he had to say that said the conversation now flips over to what's going on with the franchise like I can what, what goes on with some of these guys but macro I just don't think you can take that risk and go ahead and go get another quarterback after you drafted one last year that honestly I said it before and I'll say it again Ian Book is a hundred percent a was a hundred percent a Sean Payton guy and number two I think this guy he's not gonna pan out in the NFL all that much but I do like what I've seen from him over the last, let's say, few months. I like what I've seen from him and his progression, but I think he's still going to be a Garrett Grayson light. You drafted him a little bit too early. I would have been more okay with it if it was more of a 6th, 7th round pick, not where you did. But again, I don't control that. I'm not the person. One of the things, but I feel like that was a Sean Payton goal, Getting him there. Now, when we flip over to this year's draft class, I think Matt Corral would be the one guy that I'd outright say, hey, I want him. And it's the only other one that I would have wanted is the guy that's getting denigrated like no tomorrow in Mr. Kenny Pickett out of Pitt. The Pitt Panther absolutely has had his draft stock tumble. And it's the weirdest reason. And again, it's the underwear Olympics. It's the time where you get to see all the measurements and all that stuff, and the and the size and size matters in some perspectives. But the size of Kenny Pickett's hand is probably the biggest concern that everybody has, because Kenny Pickett's hands are measured at eight and a half inches, which would be the smallest of any NFL quarterback. The last, in terms of current guys, the last guy that was drafted that had that small of hands that actually did something worthwhile in the NFL that was a quarterback, take a wild guess. Michael Vick. Michael Vick, Madden 04 cover star Michael Vick, who was cutting up players left and right before he had that injury in 04, then a few years later got arrested with the the dog fighting ring, all that stuff. But this guy... Kenny Pickett, he was a real deal over at the University of Pitt and I liked what I saw from him. I think he's a guy that I would love to have if he's available. I think now his draft stock's gone down tremendously. But all because he has hands that are eight and a half inches. Again, I've never measured my hands, so I don't know I mean, I wouldn't even know where to begin in terms of the NFL's measurements. But I'd say I'm probably eight and a half. And I I think that's fine in terms of the size of a hand. But apparently in the NFL, that's not what it is. And it's continually amazes me how much the basically goalposts are literally being moved from year to year. Because remember a couple years ago, whenever Kyler Murray was going to the NFL draft, people were talking about his height. They were talking about his height and, and denigrating him and downgrading him for that. He's done well. Not necessarily great, but I think to a certain extent that's because of the setup he's in. It's more because of the place that he's in more than anything else. So I think this whole Kenny Pickett thing's largely just build up because everybody knows these numbers, these statistics that people talk about on a regular basis. That's kind of where I see it from my perspective. Here inside the game studios in Lafayette, Louisiana, and you can hear us also in Lake Charles versus me being there over in Indianapolis. Be able to get my some of my draft gurus, some of my like NFL scouts people to come on the show in the next few weeks because I want to get their perspective on whether or not size really matters. And it's this again, eight and a half inches in terms of the hand of an NFL quarterback incredibly small in terms of a historical context. It placed him in the zero percentile since hand size started getting measured in 1999. And here's some of those names that are under nine since 1999. And they're all names that nobody really knows about. Like hardly anybody uh, any one of these did much anything. I think the only name that I can stand out that stands out to me is Jake Fromm and Zach Thomas, and mainly Zach Thomas because he played against the Cajuns at App State for years, and he just, he whipped their ass. Like, full disclosure, just those two guys stand out to me. And it's going to be a problem. Now, how much that affects his draft stock is, I think more is because of the fact that the draft stock this year versus maybe last year is down significantly. I keep talking about it. In this, I, like Back whenever the Saints were in those seven and nine years, people were like, it's time to move on from Breeze. Time to move on from, from Breeze. And I kind of agree with them. You should have gotten quarterback during some of those other years. Whenever It wasn't necessarily a lean market. You could have gotten a bigger name if you were more in that middle range of the draft like you are this year. You could have gotten somebody really good, but you didn't. You want to go in a different direction. I'm just saying, Saints going the first round with the quarterback. I'm losing my mind on this show. I'm telling you, it's going to happen. I will not be a happy camper. That said, I think they're going to go towards offense and more focus on wide receivers because I think they are missing a really good wide receiver two or maybe even a one in the case of Michael Thomas not being 100% in some cases. Because again, ankle injuries are so weird. And how the recovery process is for that. Because I've always noticed that. Especially when you see guys, like, for instance, Leonard Fournette's a prime example of that. Go back and see that junior season he had after his breakout sophomore season. He had that ankle injury and it kept bothering him for weeks. And he was on a pitch count and stuff like that. Ankle injuries aren't nothing to mess with, man. And, and thankfully he had the surgery, so I think he should be good to go. But you just don't know. It's not like Jameis Winston's out there posting videos with him, and they're practicing to where you can kind of see he's looking different. He's looking good. Your guess is as good as mine. But we'll go ahead and take a quick time out here. Hopefully, you're enjoying the show. This is Under the Dome with CD right here on the game 103.7 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. We'll be back after this.
0: After all your problems during the week, it's finally the weekend. Woo! Yeah, baby! That's what I've been waiting for. That's what it's all about. That means you're getting more Under the Dome with CD right now on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and one zero four one Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
1: Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD right here on the game. 103.7 Yet and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. If you want to call us up, 337-706-0111 and the ultimate crawfish giveaway. Make sure you get in on the action on that rewards club. Hearing that promo, just my God, so much we're giving away. It's hard to get, break down in like just 30 seconds the amount of stuff we've got up for grabs right now up in the Rewards Club right now at 1037thegame.com, and it gets bigger and bigger. We're going to have Chris Gordy on coming up in about 10 minutes or so. going to talk some MLB, Houston Astros. I think he was out of the Shriners College Classic last night, which, by the way, was absolutely incredible baseball being had. Both games later in the later day, those were damn strong games, especially LSU which is where I want to go to next is looking more at what happened this past last night on the diamond. And also kind of look back at some of the midweek games as well because I haven't been on the air. I'm usually only on the air on Saturdays. So, hey, I got plenty of time to break down some stuff and get some thoughts out. LSU has a hell of a test against Texas later on tonight. I'm not going to make a pick on that game, but I will say this. If you can catch it, if you can find a way to watch it, watch it. There's, again, that was something I talked about earlier. The blackout stuff is a complete and utter mess and a joke. Because last night, I was wanting to watch some college baseball. In fact, it showed up on my guide Friday night. I'm flipping channels, you know, in between SmackDown and, and NBA. I'm like, I I want to see what's going on with the LSU game because I saw it was an extra innings. I wasn't necessarily paying all that attention to it because at one point, Oklahoma looked like they were firmly in control. LSU was able to rally back. K Doty, a couple doubles. I was wanting to see how the game ended because I saw it was an extra inning, so I'm going to go ahead and check this out. Turn on my teeth and go to the guide. I see what it's on. It's on the MLB Network. It says it's on there, and I got a big, fat nope, it's not on there. I was so furious because it shows college baseball, LSU versus Oklahoma. I'm like, okay, cool. Let me check this out. Nope. Uh-uh. And then the MLB at bat stuff like that blackout, which is a big like slap in the face and a punch in the you know what to baseball fans. Like, why do you continue to piss us off MLB with that kind of stuff? I'm just wanting to watch some baseball, but you want to do blackouts for college? You gotta be kidding me! It frustrates me to no end because I was even wanting to watch that game. Because, like, the last time you had in 2020, it was right as the pandemic was kind of starting to rear its ugly head in certain parts of this country. And you started hearing more and more about the vid. And we started to hear more and more about it. And it's interesting to see how things are going to progress on this front. In terms of how the progress is with the MLB. But that's, that's one of the big things I think the MLB needs to really kind of swallow their pride on, and that's the blackouts because it is an absolute joke and a slap in the face to fans. Because let's be honest, I think anybody who has the MLB network, MLB at-bat stuff, let's just say if you are if you have MLB at-bat or, or whatever, whatever the, the product is that you have, and if you want to watch your Astros, you've got to have an account or have a VPN to watch your favorite team, the Houston Astros. Now, mind you, you can just listen to them right here on the game. That's what I do. Either that or you have at t Sportsnet, and if you have that, you're good. But if you don't, which is a lot of our populace here in the Acadian area, it's a lot of us because unless you have, like, satellite television, I know I've seen a handful of Astros games over at Twin Peaks on Johnson. We've had our fantasy draft parties. But if you don't have that, you are completely out of luck. Because you aren't going to be able to watch your game. You want to be able to watch your team play. And that's not helping build the sport of baseball, but that's a different conversation. I like what I saw last night from the LSU Tigers. They fought back hard. The Cajuns were more of the same. They fought, especially, they fought hard two out rallies to help win that game against Southern Miss 5 to 3. But I'll say this the pitching staff. For that team for the Cajuns they're damn good they're starting to show their stripes and earn them too he's in the last three games last three games if you haven't paid attention you need to hear this stat you need to hear this stat right now 41 strikeouts in the last three games during the home and home against Northwestern State no excuse me not Northwestern State Nichols seriously Go look at the numbers. It was impressive as all get-out. It was Northwestern State, sorry. But you had the home-at-home, and and you swept the Demons on Tuesday and Wednesday. 30 strikeouts. 14 of them struck out looking. Basically, half of your strikeouts were struck out looking. That is a massive win for your pitching staff. And then then you duplicate that with, Two pitchers, Tommy Ray, Brandon Talley, 11 combined strikeouts. That is an impressive run they're on. And this time around, they're playing Southern Miss, a team that's consistently pretty high in RPI and has some high cotton over in CUSA, soon to be the Sunbelt Conference. I like what I'm seeing from this program. Northwestern State is going to be something to keep an eye on. The Cajuns, are, you're going to to keep an eye on that. But one thing you're going to have to keep an eye on, it's a huge news that just dropped about two or three minutes ago. Like while I was rambling on about the MLB and the blackouts that they have, well, the New Orleans Pelicans got a bit of good news. Zion Williamson is coming home to New Orleans after spending time in Portland. According to Will Guillory and Sham Strania, and mind you, when you hear a Sham wow, or or it's like a woes bomb, but you have to go through a paywall to see some of it. But no, Sham's trania basically dropped the news. Zion Williamson is returning to New Orleans after spending time in Portland for his foot rehab. And he's clear for progress, in, clear to progress, I should say, in basketball activities. And again, you heard it in the two-minute drill earlier. The Pels have won four straight. A monster's awakening, and this team is actually in a playoff contention in early March. Can they make that one last big push, and Zion's able to come back? That would be massive. Right now, they're currently a 10 seed in the play-in. And they're right behind the Los Angeles Lakers, basically about a half game, I think. Because they're 27-36, the Lakers are 27-35, so probably... Just a game behind. Now they got to get over their Bugaboo and the Denver Nuggets, who are a damn good team. They are a really fun team to watch. But the Nuggets have always been, over the last few years, just a team that's going to stomp your hopes and dreams out from what I've seen over the years. It feels like it could be very much more of the same. But we'll take a quick timeout. Going to have on Chris Gordy. Going to get him Aboard the program, talk some great college baseball going on at Miniman. Talk to the MLB, the Astros, maybe we'll get to some Texans too. We'll talk about that next, right here on the game 103 7 Lafayette and 104 1 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and we're back after this.
0: Most sports talk shows turn it up to 10 on the amp, but Under the Dome is far from your ordinary sports talk show. It takes it just one step higher. These go to 11. Now back to the show that gets the lead out. Under the Dome with CD on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station.
1: Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD, right? Here. Yep. All right, there we go. I can hear myself now. That's technical difficulties. But we're back on the game. 103.7 Live yet and 104-1 one out in Lake Charles. Hopefully you're having a fantastic Saturday morning and getting ready to start your weekend off on the right foot. I know why i sure because I'm, I'm here with you. And I get to enjoy that for a little bit longer before we get to LSU basketball taking on Alabama You'll we'll hear that right here on the game after we wrap up. Uh, Tip-off is going to be round 11, so we'll be joining that in progress, a little bit of the pregame show, and then we get you to the action. We'll also have some action from Minute Maid later on tonight with LSU taking on number one ranked Texas. And one guy who was out at Minute Maid and we'll talk a little MLB with is our guy, Chris Gordy a co-host on sports talk 790 and also a host of the locked on SEC podcast Chris how you doing brother
2: hey what's going on man it's a good uh, beautiful day here in Houston get ready for some more uh, college baseball LSU getting the win yesterday and uh, it' gonna be a real tough test tonight against Texas but it's gonna be fun they estimating close to 10,000 uh, fans gonna be there at Minute Maid tonight to see LSU in Texas so it's gonna be fun
1: oh it's gonna be amazing to see those two teams square off it could very well be a preview of the College World Series. We'll talk some more college baseball maybe towards the end of this. But I want to get down to the conversation about the world of Major League Baseball because obviously these negotiations feel to a certain extent from a fan's perspective, from somebody who's not necessarily entwined with a lot of things going on in terms of negotiations, it feels a lot like just two children like having spat over who gets the toys basically that's what it just feels like to a certain extent every time i turn around it feels like we're just not getting a resolution at all
2: well the the biggest problem here is it's it's a big battle to have have nots i mean there's baseball is the only sport where there is such a huge discrepancy in what teams spend i mean i, I was looking at the numbers yesterday it was something ridiculous like the 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 Los Angeles Dodgers payroll last year was like upwards of two two hundred sixty six million, and the uh, the Baltimore Orioles had a payroll of like forty million. I mean, it's unbelievable when you look at that kind of discrepancy. And so, when you start having uh, CBA talks and trying to figure out you know tax uh, uh, money and all this kind of stuff, you know you're going to have a big discrepancy in a, in some owners who are fine with upping players' salaries and upping minimum pay and upping this and that. You're going to have a big section of the owners who have teams that are largely not competitive right now would not, you know, would rather not up what they're spending and spend less money. And so it's it's a real weird quandary that the the MLB owners find themselves in and, and all trying to get on the same page. And then on the flip side you got the players union that, you know, is kind of saying, um, okay, well we want to up this, this, and this. And, you know, instead of taking baby steps over the years, they want to make a a pretty huge jump across the board with a lot of new things and even you know i think that's a little bit hard to reason with and so ultimately what i think is going to happen here is the players are going to have to give in as they typically always do there's going to be some give and take any owners are going to get their way for the most part is what they want but um the problem is both sides are still very far apart where we are right now so anybody is hoping to get baseball in the month of april it's it's not looking good right now. I mean, this is literally day ninety four of the lockout, and neither side is even even has a, a phone call scheduled today. I mean, there's no talks right now, so it's uh, it's depressing. For you know, I know some folks in your listening area you who might be Astros fans who like to make that easy drive over to Houston to see games. Uh, we're going to be canceling more regular season games here very soon,
1: and that's what's really disappointing because it feels more and more likely that we're going to get at best a May start time. But it, it's kind of – like I was saying this at the beginning of the show, Chris, that I think a lot of this has to go back to 2020, right? Whenever you have the pandemic and those negotiations felt like they went on for like half a year about when the season was going to start and whatnot, wound up coming down to a 60-game schedule. And I think that left a sour taste in a lot of the players and the MWPA's mouth to where this like negotiation period – is a lot more volatile. Am I wrong there? Like, if we didn't have everything that's happened over the last two years, and you're able to get to a 2020 like full season, do you think we'd be in this position right now?
2: Well, I, I uh, yeah, I mean, I feel like there's some give and take on both sides. You know that that uh, that both sides could have done something better. I talked with Tony Clark, you know, the head of the Players Union at the uh, at the World Series. And I remember talking with him them, and him kind of saying, uh, you know, we're going to wait and see, and you know, we're going to approach this. And I'm like, man, why not be proactive? Why not get ahead of this? Send a memo to the owners and go, hey, guys, I know, you know, we're going to be heading into the off season soon, or, you know, we're going to have a, a CBA disagreement and a potential lockout. But here's just a few of the things that are really high on our priority list. We just want to start getting the ball rolling here. Instead, both sides are hard-headed, and they sit and they wait. They wait till the last minute, and then we find ourselves in a lockout. And then even in the lockout, they wait and they wait and they wait. And finally, the owner said, all right, well, we're going to put a self-imposed deadline. to say if we don't get things done by this date, we're going to start knocking off days of the regular season. And even that didn't help. So it's uh, it, it's frustrating. And, and you're right. I mean, the, we saw during the COVID mess that they couldn't come to an agreement. And finally, it just took the owner saying, fine, shut up. We're playing baseball on this date and we'll see you there. That, that showed that these two sides are nowhere near uh, being on the same page of a lot of stuff. But, you know, I mentioned I think the the players are going to eventually have to give in to the owners. One of the things that has been a big holdup that the owners want is they want more playoff games. They they want to add more playoff teams. They want 14 playoff teams. and So it's, it's going to water down the sport even more. Um, you know, I guess for some fans it'll be fun because their team that doesn't make the postseason now has a better chance to make it. But I, I don't know what you do. I don't know what you do with the owners of the Pirates and the Rays and the and the um, you know the, the Orioles the teams that, these owners of these teams that just don't give a damn don't want to spend money on their team and don't have no interest in being competitive. I don't know what you do with that. I mean, if I'm Rob Manfred and a Major League Baseball, I guess maybe you hold the standard moving forward. Hey, if you want to buy an MLB team, you also have to prove that you're a diehard baseball fan and you give a damn about the sport. And this isn't just some business uh, you know thing or something you like to sit around at the country club and brag to your friends. Yeah, I own the Brewers. You know, it's like. We've got to get some people that care, and we're seeing it from the Dodgers, the Red Sox, the Yankees, the Astros. They have owners that do care and are willing to spend money, but, man, it's the bottom half of, of the league, and those owners are really dragging this thing down.
1: I mean, we look back at everything that's happened over the last couple of years, and it makes me wonder, like, this whole thing, this whole lockout, and I'm kind of going back into history books. It's like, I mean, because Rob Manfred, I feel like, isn't learning from the past because – That lockout season that happened back in the 90s, that stunted a lot of the growth of the MLB. Thankfully, you had the whole Barry Bonds, Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa. More likely than not, Lightning's not going to strike twice, and I feel like a lot of fans, now that there's much more options in terms of entertainment, television, all the stuff that you can wind up enjoying, now we're fast-forwarding and we're seeing just sports, especially baseball, Kind of falls to the wayside amongst the casual or lapsed fan, and the, even now some of the more hardcore diehard baseball fans, the P ones, and we're using a radio term there, those are starting to fade away too. Yeah, I,
2: I, I have somebody who always says to me that baseball is a dying sport, and I don't like that word because dying insinuates that oh it's it you know it's it's dying it won't be here much longer and it'll be gone. It, that's not the case the word I prefer is it's, it's declining. It's declining in, in attendance. It's declining in popularity. I think those two statements are true. Um, you have markets like Houston, where the Astros have been thriving for the past six, seven years. It, Houston is, is more Astros, you know, centric now than it's ever been. Um, you know, Yankees, Red Sox fans, they'll always be there. Cubs fans, Cardinals fans, they'll always be there. Uh, the Atlanta Braves, they're thriving right now, more so than they have in the last five to 10 years. So, you have some fan bases that they are at an all-time high, but they have markets like Tampa where they want to build a new stadium, and the city's like, "Oh wait, we have a baseball team." Uh, Baltimore, who's put just a crap product out there year in and year out with the Orioles, you know, those are the cities that I think are really people are like, "Yeah, what's on Netflix tonight?" I really don't feel like watching the Orioles game. So, you know, those are the cities where, where baseball's losing its popularity. But I think you made a good point on the Rob Manfred thing. Baseball needs a, a commissioner who's going to be proactive and. Say what you want about Roger Goodell. I know a lot of people don't like him, and particularly in, in the state of Louisiana. He's, you know, he's had his run-ins with the Saints and Bounty Gate and Nolan, Nolan O'Call and all that kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, Roger Goodell, he's the spokesman for the owners, but at the end of the day, they have actually done a pretty good job at least listening to the Players Union uh, and, and coming up with policies and rules and ways to keep them happy. And, and I think NFL, for the most part, has done a pretty good job. Uh, I think the NBA's done a pretty good job. I think Adam Silver has been a pretty good commissioner. in Listening to both sides and convincing the owners to hear the players out and all that, Rob Manford just feels like literally a mouthpiece for the owners, and there's no give and take. There's no let's hear the other side. And, you know, again, I just feel like baseball would be in such a much better spot if they had a commissioner that, that actually gave a damn and would listen to the players, and uh, we'd be in a better spot right now. We'd be playing baseball right now.
1: And I'll also throw in a commissioner that maybe would rethink about the way things are done from a internet perspective, because let's be honest, like right now, we're, we're talking about the Shriners College Classic going on this weekend, right? So over here in Lafayette, and probably Lake Charles, you can also listen to us on 104.1. If you want to watch that game on MLB.com, the ad, bad app, whatever, you're screwed, because it's blacked out. I think that's what the next commissioner needs to do in the MLB is seriously rethink the idea of, of blackouts because that is completely hurting yeah. a lot well, of fans, especially yeah. he, uh, here in La- Lafayette. We're not even, we're three hours away from Houston, and we're screwed if we want to watch Astros games.
2: Yeah, the only thing I'll say on that is I think that was more – that's an AT&T Sportsnet decision, so they brought they bought the rights exclusively here in Houston – uh, and ATT Sportsnet is the home, the flagship home for the Astros. I think they're based out of Seattle. They basically said, oh, well, if we have the rights to this, then we're going to force people, if you live in Houston or you live in Lafayette or you live in bat and or New Orleans, and you want to watch these games, well, then you have to be a subscriber to ATT Sportsnet. So that means, I think, if you have DISH, or, or not DISH, but DirecTV yeah. or uh, no, ATT Uverse. You know, if you normally get, put it this way, if you normally get Astros games on your cable provider at home, then you can watch these games. It's the same kind of thing. But I'm with you. I mean, uh, there was a thing that came out a couple weeks ago with with uh, Rob Manfred and, and MLB saying that they're going to sign an exclusive deal with Peacock and they're going to stream certain games on Peacock. And I'm like, guys, you're literally telling people like, like how many people are literally going to go out and you know a Thursday night game between the Angels and and Mariners go, man, oh that game's on Peacock. Well, I guess I have to sign it for Peacock. Nobody's going to do that. People are going to say I'm just not going to watch the game. You're literally making it harder. For your fans and yep. consumers to consume your product. And you're right. It's stupid. Like in your baseball and you're not a dying sport, but a declining sport, you should be doing anything and everything you can to try to get your product in front of viewers. So one good thing they did the last couple of years, they had games you know, exclusive games to YouTube and Twitter. Like that makes yeah. sense. I have a Twitter account, I can stream a game. If I you know, if I just pull up YouTube, I can stream a game for free. Those make sense. But going behind the Peacock platforms or Uh, you know, whatever, Paramount Plus or anything else, the the MLB TV, you better have a subscription. Like, hiding your product behind those kind of things, you're just going to see more and more people saying, I'm just not going to pay for that.
1: Oh, no, exactly, and especially when Peacock is an absolute dumpster fire of a streaming service. Like, let's be honest, who has – like, show of hands here. I know it's a radio station, but show of hands, who actually has Peacock? I I do – I'll admit I have it mainly because I'm a wrestling fan also. I – I have a cox account and if i have a cox account i get the second tier it's added it's not it's it's an added benefit it's a it's a plus for me so i, I have it but i don't have to really spend any of my money to have that but if you have mlb at bat and you have netflix you have hulu are you really going to throw down money like the 5.99 a month to watch one game on peacock really
2: yeah and that's where i've always said you know with these regional sports uh sports you know, uh, stations like ATT Sportsnet here in Houston, like uh, I guess it's Valley Sports in New Orleans and, and Lafayette, you know, to watch the Pelicans games. Like just literally, we're in 2022. Create a create a service where I say I, I could pay 22 bucks a month and I could stream Pelicans games anywhere and anywhere. I can pull it up on the app on my phone. I could stream it on my smart TV. Like do that. I guarantee you'll have way more people wanting to sign up and do it as a you know, basically, basically we call it an a la carte service where you just pay the 20, 22 bucks a month and you get the games. Like, that should be an option. If In the Astros, in baseball, they should do that. Instead of having to sign up for MLB TV and MLB, you know, all these services, just create an app and say, look, you pay the 20 bucks a month to ATD Sports Sportsnet and you can stream the games anywhere and anywhere. I think, uh, you know, some sports, some sports are getting smarter. The NBA package, they've created that. But, like, I just don't understand why these leagues continue to restrict and make it harder for you to watch teams. Cause I think, like you said, with the options of Netflix and Hulu and, and everything else that's out there now, I think some people are just saying, no, nah, I'm good.
1: I mean, in some cases, like if you have a bunch of this main streaming services, like Netflix, Hulu, Disney plus, and with everything that comes with that, with like ESPN plus and all that stuff, that's going to wind up racking up probably to a certain extent more than your average cable bill for being honest. And it's like, what the hell is going on? And like, we need to have that, which is why I think you and I need to collaborate, go find like a billionaire, and start making these deals to have this a la carte service. That's where the real big money's made. Am I wrong there, Chris? Yeah, I mean, I I think it it, it just makes sense.
2: Like, if I'm a fan of a team, I should be able to pay whatever. I mean, I'd even go up as high as you know, maybe thirty a month is pushing it. But I mean, if, if I told you right now, if you're a big Astros fan. And you live in in you know in, in Houston or you live somewhere else and you just want to pay thirty bucks a month to just get your games, but stream them however you want, whether I want to watch it on my phone, my TV, my tablet, whatever. Like I think that should be an option. Instead, what you run into is blackouts. Oh no, you're in this. You know, you live in Lafayette. You're too close to Houston. Your game is blacked out. Like why am I blacked out? I should be able to watch a game anywhere and anywhere.
1: My point exactly, Chris. And you know we'll flip it on over to college baseball to wrap things up because obviously. You're out there. You were out there last night watching the LSU Oklahoma game, which went down to the wire, eleventh inning walk-off home run to seal the deal for those Tigers. But now again, it's going to be a hell of a ball game. Do you think this could be a college World Series preview of a Texas team that's top-ranked, strong favorites right now in the betting circles to win the whole bleeping thing? And then you got LSU, who is also kind of on that rise once again with Jay Johnson leading the way. I mean it this this should probably be one of the most marquee matchups of baseball of college baseball all year long.
2: It it will be, I mean I don't I don't want to understate it. It's gonna be a really good uh, really awesome atmosphere tonight. It should be a really good game, but I do think LSU's got to walk before they run a little bit. Um you know they are still putting some pieces together, trying to figure out this team, Blake Money has really settled down as that Friday night starter, and he was really, really good last night, albeit you know, he didn't get much run support early. Um, but I think LSU's still trying to figure themselves out. Texas knows who they are. I mean, Texas is a team that went to Omaha last year. And they've got some stud hitters, some stud pitchers, and I think LSU's going to be probably the underdog tonight with, with what they're facing. I don't know if they've announced the pitcher yet. I think a lot of people expect it's going to be Mikael Hilliard. Uh, but I know Jay Johnson, as of last night after the game, said he still didn't, you know have a, wasn't ready to name a starter for today. Uh, Texas knows what they have. They have three really good arms that they throw every weekend. So, um, yeah, this is going to be a really good one. I wouldn't freak out, though, if I'm an LSU fan and they lose this game tonight. Uh, I think just Texas is the number one team in the country right now, and they are for a reason. So I thought LSU was very lucky to come back and win last night like they did because Oklahoma's pitching – was really, really good mowing down uh, the Tigers, their, their starter. I mean, he was lights out. I, was, I kept looking at the board. I'm like, oh, she's only got one hit? Like, what is happening here? Um, yeah, I think that the bats need to come around tonight. They are, they are one of, on paper, they are one of the best offenses in all college baseball. But, again, I think they're going to have their work cut out for them tonight against Texas. But this could absolutely be a preview of, the upcoming summer and, and what we could see, maybe a rematch in Omaha.
1: I would absolutely love it. Chris, thank you so much for coming on, my man. We'll talk to you down the road. And hopefully, the next time we talk to you, we've got some Major League Baseball on tap.
2: Man, I'll tell you this right now. My What I'm hearing right now, my, my guess is I'm hoping May 1st is when they start, but somebody I know close to me keeps telling me Memorial Day, and that just puts a bad taste on mouth because you're talking about a 100-game season and nobody wants that.
1: Not at all, Chris. Once again, thank you so much, my man. Talk to you down the road. Okay, man. All right, that was Chris Gordy. Appreciate him coming on the program. We got one more segment and one more take before we get you to LSU baseball, basketball. Excuse me, baseball later tonight. Basketball in about ten minutes. But we got one more take to get to, so we're gonna get to that next. And it's more basketball related about the Pelicans. We'll talk about that next right here on the game 103.7 three seven Lafayette and one hundred four one Lake Charles.
0: Before we close up shop here on Under the Dome, C.D. has just one more take to fire off before he drops the mic. Is it going to be a take that lands on the Scoville scale? Ah! Or is it going to be as cold as the pizza in your fridge? Let's listen in and find out.
1: One last segment, one last take. Let's get into it now involving those New Orleans Pelicans. Don't look now, but they are red hot. Four straight wins coming out of the All-Star break. And it hasn't been, you know, against Hammond, Eggers, and Jobbers. And it hasn't been by the skin of their teeth. And No, no, no. The last four games they've had, they've won by double digits since February 25th. Four straight wins. They beat the Suns 117-102. The Lakers, they beat Don 123-95 which was a great thing to see. You love to see the Lakers get their asses handed to them. Then you beat down the Sacramento Kings, the most depressing franchise in all the NBA, 125-95. That's a Ham and egger type win. Then last night you beat the Utah Jazz, which they haven't had jazz there ever, but it's a different conversation for a different day. They beat them 124-90 last night, a blowout win. They're looking like the Celtics were if you – weeks ago, heading into the All-Star break when they were beating teams by 30 almost every night. This is what you want to see if you're a Pelicans fan, especially as you hear the news. We talked about it earlier in the hour. Zion Williamson is going to be resuming and progressing when it comes to his rehab, and he's going to be cleared for basketball activities. Now, how long does that take to recover and be ready to go? As you're getting ready for a stretch run, if you're the Pelicans... God only knows, but hopefully, if you can get to the play-in tournament, you've got Big Z ready to go. If not, I think it is what it is. You kind of know, hey, this is what what your lot in life is going to be, but if you have your boy Zion Williamson there, it's going to be a whole hell of a lot of fun. Again, I'm intrigued to see how things are going to work out for the Pels, not just this year, but the future as well, because we still don't know what this future is going to wind up looking like. We'll figure some stuff out. Don't you worry. We'll figure some stuff out. But trust me, it's going to be a lot of fun. It's been a lot of fun here with you from 9 to 11. Next week, back to 10 a.m. to noon, regular time slot, regularly scheduled program. Until then, talk to you later. This has been Under the Dome with yours truly, the world-famous CD. Peace.